Hey, it's Arrow, and this is PodFest, episode number 29. Three back-to-back conversations. These are real people who happen to make it big in the entertainment world, politics, science, the medical world, or even cooking in their own kitchen. PodFest 29 features my 2015 conversation with Chef Nick Peters from Hell's Kitchen on Fox. Then we're hitting the octagon with MMA fighter Nick Newell. And we're going to wrap things up with another Nick, Nick Mason from Pink Floyd. This is PodFest. My name is Nick Peters, and I am a private chef. Nick, what's going? Two uh, two salmon, two halibut, then two pork. When I was 16, I knew that I was going to go to culinary school. So when I was younger, I had um like had some weight issues, and I was picked on all in high school. So I was very insecure. And at this point in my life, I'm like, have never been more confident in my food, my personality, and the way I work with others. And I know that. I'm just going to nail this. Walking risotto. Coming here was like a really big step for me, just in general, like even just getting on the plane. Like, <laughs> I wasn't even afraid of meeting Chef Ramsey. I was afraid of getting on the plane. Nick, get on there with it, yes? Respect is a big thing, and if you if I show him respect, then he'll show respect back. Nick, well done. Kurt. He's the boss, you know, respect him, and it's going to be nice to have some sort of structure in a kitchen. At first, I'm going to kind of feel it out. Eventually, they'll realize that I'm a force to be reckoned with. I have confidence, and I can back it up. I don't need to come off with an attitude or come off like I'm macho because I'm not. (laughs) We are unplugged and totally uncut with Chef Nick Peters. So on a day like this in America where it's finally becoming spring, does a chef wake up and say, you know, today I'm going to reinvent the bagel? (laughs) Um, That's a great question. I don't know if I have the answer for that one. Now, what what is it that when when you step forward as as a private chef, that also means that y- you've got to almost take the palate that the, we Americans and we do have a lazy palate sometimes in this country, and you've you've consistently always got to be moving forward. Or do you find yourself living in the past? Um, I think moving forward, because um, as a private chef, you know, working with clients, I kind of my meat is kind of reinventing like modern day like classic dishes and kind of making them modernized um so yeah i definitely think moving forward in the future is kind of the way to go does, does that mean that maybe uh, with with your secret success of the pan seared duck breast that maybe we'll see some changes at chinese restaurants and we can see kind of a, a change here because <laughs> I, I, I you know i think some things are meant to be classic definitely chinese <laughs> restaurants are you know. i swear more people would love duck if if they knew you nick <laughs> you know, that's true. A lot of people are scared of duck. Um, yeah. Is that is that because it's such a greasy food? You know, it actually really isn't if you cook it correctly. Really? Well, what makes it greasy then? Is it? It's just that it over overcooked? Um, I think that I mean, duck breast itself has like a really thick layer of fat on it. So if you don't render it out properly, um, it can be really fatty. So that may be where... <laughs> Now, now, most chefs are miles away from their competition, but yet you're standing next to the person that could be secretly putting up a plan to make sure that you don't continue forward on, on Hell's Kitchen. How do you keep it together, in, or is there, is it just a power of negotiation? In Hell's Kitchen? Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a just, you just kind of have to focus on what you do best, which is cooking and you can't really worry about anyone else and what they're doing um, because there are so many factors going on like you're getting screamed at and you're also not getting along with the other 17 contestants that well <laughs> so you kind of have to have a thick skin and kind of be confident in yourself and your own skills and then 
Yeah, it, it's tough. And yet the average person could not handle that that being screamed at and stuff like that. But it almost seems like that when we're watching you guys on Fox, you're taking it. You're saying, all right, you bet, chef. Got it, chef. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you have to say. <laughs> you can't really say, you can't really talk back or say anything else to him. Um, I mean, there's a respect level, too. Uh, I don't know that an average, like a, a, a non-chef could, you know, do this. Um, it definitely takes a thick skin, for sure. Well, I mean, I mean, it's almost like a martial arts class. I mean, I can't take on my master. I mean, if he tells me to drop and do 25 push-ups, I got to be doing it, dude. <laughs> yeah, I will be doing that, but... <laughs> <laughs> At 25 years in age, most people are still locked onto video games and chasing down girls in clubs. Dude, somewhere along the line, you found focus. Where'd it come from? Um, I think, you know, everyone, every kid growing up kind of has their thing. Like, a lot of kids are in sports or... You know, they're at, into certain clubs, but my thing was always cooking. I think that, that played to my advantage going into Hell's Kitchen because I've been cooking since I was, like, middle school age. So um, having that sort of thing and then going to culinary school and working in restaurants really prepared me for the show um, as best as I could because you know, <laughs> Hell's Kitchen's unlike anything I've ever done before. Um, so you're not too prepared, but... Um, you know, having the restaurant background really helped me. And yeah, a lot of people are, aren't doing, aren't on TV, but um, it's very, yeah. But man, being in a kitchen that early in the age, I mean, be, I mean, that's almost like being at the Fox Broadcasting Network because there's such an innovative group of people. You fit right in, dude. Right. And then to be a part of Hell's Kitchen, how do other chefs now kind of treat you do they go Ooh, there's the guy or do they go teach me teach me what'd you learn what'd you learn <laughs> uh you know it's actually strange i actually haven't really been recognized too much from the show um but i think being on the show i don't necessarily think that anyone's looking at me like teach me because the show is has a high entertainment value <laughs> um it, and they do show a lot of um you know people messing up on the show so i don't necessarily think that anyone's looking at me like I'm better than anyone else. That's definitely not the case. Um, but people are interested in more so, you know, what goes on behind the scenes and is Chef Ramsay really that mean and that kind of thing. I'm not really about the cooking, unfortunately. Have you run into that, that, that Hell's Kitchen fan yet that goes, oh, Nick, oh, I would not have put up with that, man. I don't know why you didn't drop kick him on the spot. <laughs> there hasn't like only a few, a few people. I don't know how you deal with that. I'm like, you just you just have to. You're just gonna say yes, chef, and put your head down and keep cooking. Does being a chef on Hell's Kitchen make you aware of how bad Americans eat? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I mean, the food we cooked there um, was awesome. I mean, Chef Ramsey's food was great. So. I don't necessarily think that relates back to how Americans eat. Um, I mean, I know how well I eat. I can't really speak for the rest of America, but... <laughs> how do you eat, Nick? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you put extra strawberries on those on those bagels that you're trying to reinvent? I mean, because <laughs> 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 I mean, grocery stores nowadays, they really, they, as you guys allow us uh, to, to explore and to find new ways to enjoy food, grocery stores are still leading us to the hot dogs and the hamburgers. And yet when you watch Hell's Kitchens through you, Nick, and through uh, Chef Ramsay, it, it's amazing how we're trying to change but we need that leadership out here. Are you doing anything in that way? 
Um, you mean in, in terms of how healthy Americans are eating? I think so, or just society in general, opening up a restaurant or, or several of them throughout the country that say, you know, we, we do have morals as chefs, and it's and it's to break away from the hot dog and hamburger. I mean, it's not that it's not American, but, but there really is a better way. Oh, I, I agree completely. I mean, hamburgers and hot dogs have their place. But I also think that, you know, Americans in general just need to be more informed about when they go to the grocery store, what they should be um, buying. I mean, you can't can force someone to buy healthier food. You can only inform them. So I think maybe just restaurants in general can kind of cook better food and then maybe people start to kind of realize that, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs, there are other ways to cook things. Um, in, in terms of grocery stores, I think that it's just the way people shop. I think people tend to go in the middle aisles and, if, you know, if you go to a grocery store, usually the perimeter is really where you should be shopping because that's where all the produce is, um, dairy is, that sort of thing, fruits, vegetables, all that. Um, so I think that people are just uninformed about how they should be eating. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Nick Newell. Good, good, good. I'm, uh, I'm excited, happy to be on the show. Thank you, sir. What, what a journey you've been on. What is it like for you to be in that process of you lived it, it became a story, and now it's a movie? I mean, it's a movie that is going to touch a lot of people. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very excited. I thought the end product was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I'm just all around a lucky guy and a happy guy. Yeah. To reach that point, though, I mean, because you, you've, you've, you know, walked through several different mountains and stuff like that. Where did that inner strength come from? Was it, was it the inner vision? What, how did it happen for you? It was, uh, I think it's just how we're wired, right? I think that um, not everyone's built the same. And I just, not that I think I'm superior to anyone, I certainly have a lot of flaws and a lot of areas where I lack and other people um, succeed and, and are good and can prosper. And uh, But with, with this, I just, when I find something, I get hyper-focused and I stay on it and I, I put my mind to it, I put my body to it and I work hard and, and that's exactly what I did and that's why I was able to make a, make a name for myself. Is is that the martial artist coming out in you? Because, you know, we're all trained, you know, in, you know the foot fist way and when, once you lock in on the way, you stay loyal to it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's not about fighting. It's about martial arts is is a lifetime commitment. Once mm -hmm. you start, you can't stop. <laughs> Unfortunately for some people, but for me, it's fortunate because I love martial arts. It's um, it's it's everything for me, and and uh, I'm so lucky to have discovered it. I'm, I'm so glad you're talking like that because I mean I, I feel weird that I, I sit there and go through moves in my mind over and over again matches that I was in that you know five six years ago I'm still playing it out inside my mind yeah yeah I uh certainly <laughs> certainly those moments live with you forever yeah, yeah. So now, for you to get on the inside, like the way that you do, to, to for those fights, because I, I first started out in combat karate, and my 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 sensei was always going, "Get on the inside, get on the inside. You got to go, 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 go." And and that was always tough. But in watching this movie, dude, you had no problem getting on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, good footwork, right? That's the key. That's the truth. I spent a lot of hours um, on foot position with my coach and just making sure that my feet are always in the right place when I fight. Did you uh, find yourself watching other fighters do that? Because I always wanted to, just as much as I wanted to get on the inside, I still had to have that foot movement in the way that Muhammad Ali would move his feet. I had to, I had to really honestly float like a butterfly. 
yeah, I'm, I, uh, I don't know. I take it on a fight to fight basis and I just try to build my skills and, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like for you to, with, with the movie Notorious Nick in the way that, you know, cause I mean, they, they basically that you, you're bringing to life the fights inside the ring, the battles and things like that for you to be on the outside looking in. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's like, hey, there I am. I'm, I'm fighting. Like, this is about me. This is not like if I watched that movie and it was about someone else, I'd be like, wow, that's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of a little surreal that it's that it's about about me. Don't you think it's coming out at a pretty good time that we need a movie like this, a feel good movie, a challenge movie, and stuff like that in the way that it inspires people to look at their own lives, saying, okay, I, I've got it in me too. A hundred percent. This is. Uh, this is is not a big budget blockbuster movie, but it's one of those movies that you'll watch and you'll be like, wow, that was really good. And you're going to tell your friends to watch it and they're going to tell their friends to watch it. And it's really going to take off because it's a well-made uh, movie. Yeah. Now, professional wrestling is about writing a story. MMA is about the story. What was it like for you to bring this together to create this story that became the movie? And, uh... Now, in other words, it's it's like with the MMA, it it's one hundred percent. You know, whatever happens, happens. You're you're in there. You're in. You know, seek, search, destroy. Let's move on. Let's get to the next fighter. Yeah, I. Uh, you know, I just I I wasn't thinking when I had my life and I was living it that they're gonna make a movie about me. I was just thinking about like, hey, I like to fight. This is fun. Like, let's do this. For you personally, when because it really seems like the collaboration with you and and your coach and stuff like that was was just massive inside your heart because you needed that 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 backbone. Yeah, I, I lived with my coach actually for like eight years. I would sleep in his basement on a mattress. It was an unfinished basement, and I sleep in his mattress. And all his kids knew me, and uh, you know I was just interested in progress and getting better, and 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 uh, and every day just just growing and, and learning and, and and he was there every step of the way yeah speaking of every step of the way when you create a project with Lionsgate and Lionsgate has really come into play these days with creating great movies did you get to see the movie side of the business in the in the way that you this will inspire you to do other films uh, I mean maybe one day I'll I'll be an actor you know uh, Cody Christian played me but maybe one day I'll, I'll play him Ah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know i i wasn't on set i didn't have anything uh i wasn't involved in any production or anything like that wow uh, did did cody at least get uh, to sit down with you though and and you guys get to bang it out a little bit uh we never we never met uh we've talked we've talked though and he's an awesome guy so i'm 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 very it's very cool that he plays me in the movie but is is there a side of you that you know that 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 kind of uh the fighter side of you want to say just just give me one minute in the ring with you i just i just want to see what your moves are since you studied me i want to see what kind of moves i would put on myself no no way he's a nice (laughs) guy uh you know, if he ever wanted to train with me, I could show him a couple things. Wow. But no, definitely not. He did me justice. He did a great job with the role. So uh, obviously, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to fight him. <laughs> He's a good guy. <laughs> to be in that ring, to go in there knowing that you know, it's one of those things that we learned as martial artists. It's, it's not if you get hurt; it's when you get hurt. How did you put all of that aside in order to do what it is? I, I know we talked about focus, but still, to be able to take the energy from the crowd and make things happen. Well, 
there's two types of people, right? There's people that you watch a fight and you watch someone get finished or get beat up and you think that could, I could do that. And then there's people that watch it and think, wow, that could be me. And, uh, and I definitely would watch that and be like, that's something that I believe that I can do. And, and it was wrestling that actually got you inspired to get into like the MMA. You just wanted to, you know, just wrestle. Yeah. I just started off wrestling. I, I, I wanted to be like my, me and my friend used to watch like the WWE and my neighbor and he was like, oh, I'm going to join the wrestling team. And I was like, cool. Like that actually kind of sounds like fun. I'll, uh, I'd, I'll probably join too. And, and when I was younger, my dad, um, he wrestled in high school. He was kind of like a troublemaker, but <laughs> he wanted me to wrestle when I was, when I was a kid. And, um, and, but I wanted to play baseball, be like Jim Abbott. So, um, I didn't really do it. And then in high school I started. So the, where do you, where do you grow from here now? Do you, what, what, what are in your plans and stuff like that? Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 35 years old and I've been fighting for a long time. I have more to prove for sure, but I'm taking it fight by fight, uh, being a good father, being a business owner and, uh, taking a little time to, enjoy the enjoy the the nice weather here in Connecticut while it lasts well be, being that father and then also stepping in that ring I mean it's it that's two completely different personalities mm-hmm. I mean what I mean when when you go into that ring you're going to work but when you come home how do you explain that what what happened at work I mean by now <laughs> my my wife um, is used to it I mean she she got used to it when we met and my uh, my kids well i have a one-year-old and a two-year-old so my my two-year-old he says daddy goes bung bung (laughs) punch punch you know and and and, uh but he doesn't watch it i don't i don't let him watch it so yeah yeah. he just knows he just knows what i do because he comes to the gym and sees me training and hitting the bag and doing stuff like that has there been a punch that you haven't uh, been able to forget yet? Uh, somebody got me in a match with a turning hook kick because I dropped my guard, dude. And I want to talk to you about that guard. But first of all, I want to, has there been a punch, though, um, that, that you still remember? Um, uh, you know, I've only been put on my butt once. Uh, and it was an overhand. It caught me clean, but it didn't, it didn't put me out. Um, but... I mean, I remember it. I remember a lot of things that I've been hit with. Um, but it's 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 whatever. It's not like I have nightmares about it. Right, right. Okay, now let's get back to that block because, I mean, most people, when they're blocking, they, they've got everything in, in right there in front of them, both hands, both arms, and stuff like that. How were you able to withstand the, the pressure of someone in front of you and keep them at bay? It was It had to have been fast feet. Yeah, good footwork, but I mean, I can move my arm up and down. It's like it's just a little harder to block, but my my arm moves kind of fast, so mm-hmm. I'm able to block um, head kicks, body kicks, punches, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and good footwork. Did you did you study jujitsu or did you, or did you go the route of the, like the taekwondo or kung, you know, kung fu? Nah, MMA. I don't see a lot of kung fu in that. Uh, you know, I take a little bit of 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 Muay Thai, yes. a little bit of boxing some kickboxing, wrestling. I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu, so I've, I've been doing it all. Do you go for pressure points? Are there, are, do you study that when you're in that ring? Is, or is it basically, uh, we, I, need, uh, I need to tire them out? N- no, because you don't, 
when you do pressure points, you don't really have a, a lot of a lot of control right. of the person. Right. So uh, it's about controlling. You know, you t- you touch one of my pressure points and you get punched in the face. But obviously, there's like arteries and stuff you go for when you're going for the choke and stuff like that. So it just depends on on what your definition of that is. My master was always into you've got to use your personal in, uh, in, um, um, energy. You've got to be able to because they'll feel that energy, that aura when you're when, when you're in the ring with them. Did you do you believe in that theory as well that your your whatever you bring in there as energy is is something that'll save you? Uh, yeah, I mean, just be in good shape is probably the the, yeah. the main thing, right? So true. So absolutely true. So, so what's your website, man? Where can people go to find out more about you and to follow you and give you some love? At Notorious Newell on Instagram or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Any matches coming up? Uh, nothing planned at the moment. No. Yeah. 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 You, but you got to be. What are you doing with all that energy then? Because, you know, you can't just it's got to be building up. Yeah, I said I told you I have a one and a two year old. Yeah, <laughs> so true. <laughs> My cardio is great just chasing them. <laughs> so true, dude. You got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. Be brilliant today, okay? Yes, you too. <laughs> Hey, Tarot, unplugged and totally uncut with Nick Mason of Pink Floyd. You shout in your sleep, perhaps the price is just too steep. Is your conscience at rest? You do realize that you have created something here that's going to become a family heirloom. This is going to be passed forward, this moment forward. Well, I certainly hope so. It's been um, it's been quite a, a piece of work to to assemble this whole thing. And uh, I have to say, I think we're pleased with the result. I, I can't imagine emotionally what you guys did as you went into the past and you were able to remaster it in a way to where you it's it's, it's almost like you were controlling the future. Um, yeah, it's a, well, it's been an odd, uh, it's been an odd journey because uh, you're looking at things maybe 50 years old, looking at yourself 50 years ago. So it's a combination of nostalgia and occasional embarrassment. catch up on memories or is it a studio a tour that kind of thing yeah it tends to be more the, the, the when we actually worked on the music rather than uh, sort of it, it's not like hearing other people's music where you remember maybe where you were or who you were with I mean it is very much as you say it's that thing of a, a, usually a memory of somewhere like Abbey Road and which studio it was or which guys were there working with us at the time the engineers or whatever talking about the early years 1965 to 1972 all on 27 discs this, this right here and, and you know I'll, I'll bring up christmas this is the christmas present to get <laughs> yeah well it's uh, it's gonna be a bit of a job for santa claus it's quite a, a, a weight of a weight of discs Now, 
now creatively speaking I, I know that the, the musicianship of Pink Floyd is it's also the artwork but this this has to reach beyond the business side of music that this is something where you're giving it to the fan as the artist that you are yeah I mean that's, that's well it's we've, we've said there's a lot of material here and quite a lot of it is it's of interest to people who want to know or sort of follow the beginnings of, of the journey that is our band Emily tries but misunderstands she's often inclined to borrow somebody's dreams till tomorrow there are things that are sort of maybe very early versions of something so for instance Atom Heart Mother is there in its entirety but there's also versions that we played live with just as a four-piece band before we even got round to putting an orchestral parts on it and the live performances are unbelievable it's it's almost like the band has gotten back together and and you're just pushing it forward <laughs> yeah it's uh it's well, as I say, I, I've really enjoyed listening to a lot of it. I mean, every, and every now and again, you come across something that you go, I don't remember this. Uh, when, 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 when we did this, you know. There was a boy whose name was Jim. His friends, they were very good to him. They gave him tea and cakes and jam and slices of Fans need to understand that this is the music that basically led right up to Dark Side of the Moon, which is one of the biggest albums of all time. Ken, when, when we go back and we study the music, are there little glimpses of all the sound that, that, that basically took over the world? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think there's, there's very much, there's a track almost from the very first uh, album that we made that sort of goes through changes and so on. But and in fact... I mean, a good example would be something like Zabriskie Point, the music for Zabriskie Point. There's a track that we did for that movie that never got used, that um, uh, Michelangelo Antonioni, his director, didn't felt didn't feel that it fitted properly. Well, it actually reappears on uh, as a version of it um, with the outtakes from the movie in this box set. But actually, most people would recognize it as um, being uh, Us and Them, which uh, Richard Roach ended up modifying for, for Dark Side. Did you think that Americans in the world were crazy when people put Dark Side of the Moon up against The Wizard of Oz and it went perfectly with that film? Well, as I said to Judy Garland when she was in the studio with us, um, it seemed to really, no, that's, that's a piece of invention. Uh, that is really odd. I mean, I've, I've, I've tried it out, uh, and it's weird the way it works, but I can absolutely assure you, neither Judy Garland, nor the Tin Man, nor the Scarecrow, nor the Lion were in the studio with us, okay? Now, you know what's going to happen with this new collection of music, the early years, 1965 to 1972? There's going to be a lot of music classes at universities that are going to pull this music in, and they're going to study it like Mozart. Yeah, uh, well, hopefully, and hope, uh, but um, we'll see how that goes. I look forward to a career as a professor in Cambridge. <laughs> I don't care if the sun doesn't shine, and I don't care if nothing is mine, and I don't care. 
putting the music together did you ever feel like that we've got something here that's going to last longer than this generation no I, I think uh, the way we all saw rock music uh, when when we started now really all the way through you can never assume that it it has any sort of longevity at all it was always believed to be really ephemeral and most people were planning what to do after two or three years in the music industry you know even Ringo was talking about opening a set of head um, a train of hairdressers I think they were sort of planning for being out of the Beatles within three years of Shea Stadium I guess can't say that it was a formula or a format it's because i we we were all so drawn into your exploration yeah I, as i say it's very hard to evaluate one's own work and to see you know why it had this longevity or what it was i mean i, I love dark side i think it's a great album i'm really proud of it but if someone had said to me you know what this album is still going to be kicking around sort of 40 years later i'd have gone so, Surely not. Were you like the rest of us that we couldn't wait to get our hands on the Billboard magazine to see that you were going to hit 500 weeks in a row on the charts? Because that was such an exciting time for the fan. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we've tracked. The tendency really most of the time is to really be thinking about what you're going to do next rather than um, what, what you did before. In fact, sometimes what you did before is a bit of a distraction. These are the Pink Floyd, <laughs> and this is called Flaming very strange ethereal sounds alone in the clouds all blue soundtrack to our life what's your soundtrack oh i i, I mean i'm very fortunate I, I have a soundtrack that comprises all those people that w were working at the same time that we were uh, and my heroes you know the jimmy hendrix eric clapton Joni mitchell uh, i mean the list is endless really of, of the contemporaries who were around at the same time that are still love their music still listen to it this project putting it all together the early years 1965 to 1972 was there a piece of it still left that needs to be fixed where you can go in and you can create new music like a continuation uh, I don't think so I think this is this is not a, sort of, this is ancient ancient history and I think really worth preserving but I, I don't think there's much I, I think what was to be gleaned from it uh, probably has been and was used in the development of other records over the years and there are elements in this that you might see that you go ah oh, do you know what I can see where something in let's say um, Wish You Were Here came, came about or Animals or even even The Wall it's, 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 there is a sort of progress through this
people are going to be watching these videos and, and they're going to be studying you on those drums because nobody drums like you do. And 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 this really puts us up the, up close and personal to watching that where we can rewind it and study you even more. Yeah, yeah. And I'll issue a warning there because there's some, there's some great sort of drum, drum movie stuff from... Um, uh, not whiskey point from Pink Floyd at Pompeii, for yeah. instance. Uh, but uh, there's also some appalling miming, of, um, particularly on American talk shows, which I would advise any drum student to avoid at all costs. <laughs> See, crazy Americans again, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, you, I, I hope you are so proud of this because when people get their hands on this, is it going to bother you if people buy it and they don't open it up because they want to preserve it forever? Or, or <laughs> you know we're that way. Well, I suppose the thing to do is ask them to buy two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we get to talk many times in the future, sir. Uh, me too. Okay. You have a brilliant day today. Thank you. And you.